Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favourite actors and creatives in the world of musical theatre. Hello, I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with two cast members from the touring production of Cabaret. They are Cara Lily Hayworth, who plays Sally Bowles, and Charles Haggerty, who plays Cliff. Cara is best known for playing the title role in Scylla the Musical, which was on tour a couple of years ago. And Charles, who prefers to be called Charlie, so we'll call him Charlie from now on, has worked extensively in the US, in Europe and in the UK, where he now lives. He was also in the original Broadway cast of If Then with Adina Menzel back in 2014, so I was very interested to ask him about that. First up, we're going backstage with Cara Lily Hayworth. Cara Lily Hayworth, hello. 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 Thank you for coming on the Backstage With podcast. Thank you for having me. The thing that struck me when I watched you in Cabaret on Tuesday Mm -hmm. was how relevant this show is in 2020, even though it was written in 1966. Scarily so. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 50 years old, but it still has so much relevance. And especially with the political climate of the world the world today, it's uh, really relevant and still really important. It works really well, I think. The darkness of some of the moments, it's it's crazy how those things are still happening. I mean, yeah. it's terrifying. Really, really terrifying, yeah. Um, and this particular production, the way that Rufus Norris has directed it, it's it doesn't shy away from any of the darkness. And... If, if people have seen versions of Cabaret before, sometimes they, they can be a bit lighter. And in the film, for example, it's, it has all those moments, but it doesn't really go that heavy, whereas this uh, this go, goes there. It does, it does. <laughs> the thing I really like about the history of this show is that every time it's been done, mm-hmm. people have really come at it from a brand new angle yeah. and tackled it and changed it and added things. Yeah. What would you add if you were going to take it into another new production? This sounds really silly, but I think this production is pretty perfect, actually. I mean, obviously, the original Bob Fosse choreography is great, but I think the way Javier de Frutos has, has reimagined the choreography for this production and the staging, the set and everything, I think there's not really a more perfect show, in, in my opinion. How did Sally Bowles come into to your life? How did this show happen for you? Came from a dream. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I did uh, Scylla the musical, uh, which Bill we will Kenwright. talk about. Yeah. Um, so I did that for the sort of the last uh, couple of years. And Sally Bowles has always been a part that I've been dying to play. She's an absolute dream role, and always always has been. Um, and I knew that Bill was doing it, and I basically said, "Can I play Sally?" And he said, "No." <laughs> initially because I don't have a lot of profile you see in you know for regional venues and things like that um and and then in the end he got me to come in and, and do an audition and uh and yeah so I'm so I'm so grateful to be playing to be playing this part and in such great company as well did you have to nag or was it a case of just waiting patiently for him to change his mind a little bit of nagging <laughs> so no, he's probably like fine okay I'll give it to it's you it's a hard line to toe though isn't it because you <laughs> yeah. can't be like banging on his door no, at 11 no, o'clock no, at no night bang, going, no banging on doors no but um yeah, I'm, I'm so, so grateful. And I, I, I just absolutely adore playing her every day. I think, oh my God, I'm playing Sally Bowles. I'm so lucky. The wig is so good. I actually thought that you changed your hair. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, it's genuinely. A, it's a great wig, isn't it? I was it? sitting there, when you're yeah. being thrown up in the air, I was <laughs> thinking, gosh, that, that's not a wig. And it, and it is. Yeah, 
It's a lot of pins. <laughs> when you approached Sally's big moments for the first mm-hmm. time, Mine Hair, maybe this yeah. time, the title song, mm-hmm. what, what was the first thing you did the first time you sang them? Were you sitting there going, oh God, what, what can I do that's different or just be um, true to them? Kind of. It's Yeah, just coming at it truthfully, I guess. But I had so much help from Tim Welton, who was our sort of in the room director. So although it's Rufus Norris's production, Tim was in the room directing us for the most part. And he was absolutely amazing. At one point when we were doing cabaret, so we're trying to, because it's, you know, on the surface, it seems like this happy, cheery song about life as a cabaret. And it, at the moment in the story, it's when she's having a bit of a breakdown, really. She's going, everything's falling apart. You know, she's just decided to get rid of her baby. This is the moment that she's going, no, this isn't what I want. And she's going, oh, sod this. And that, that's basically the moment. So it's not this light-hearted song that you think of. And yeah, in rehearsals, Tim had me, he was holding my hands and he was spinning me around the room really fast, like jumping up and down, trying to sing the song. And I remember I was crying and he was, you know, it was just a very dramatic moment. But it, it was a clever way of finding that, that exasperated feeling and that, that desperation. And, and he's, he's a genius. Yeah, I guess you want your head to spin in that in yeah, that moment. Exactly. We talked about the dark themes before. Mm-hmm. There are a number of moments that punctuate the show in that vein. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the audience reaction if they laugh in a moment that is particularly dark? I mean, it is it's rare. It doesn't happen that often. You know, we've been we've been quite lucky. And I, obviously, I, you might be referring to there's some there's some nudity at the end, um, and it's a quite a poignant moment. I won't give away you know exactly what happens, but. Um, and I think they've cleverly done it in a way of having a little bit of nudity in a comedic way early on in the story. So it sort of takes away that awkwardness. So people get that giggle out the way so that then when it comes and it's a really important moment, generally people don't. There's been, you know, there's been the odd moment and, and, and sometimes you know, with, with John Partridge and he's got a lot of, of fans who love him from EastEnders, so they maybe whoop or something at that point you go oh no don't but it doesn't happen often and I, I've been quite lucky with, with my bits there hasn't been hasn't been many did I have had someone snoring in the front row before oh <laughs> but, no but again that's rare I go oh no am I that boring <laughs> they might have had a really hard day they might have had a really hard day exactly I should I should admit at this point I have fallen asleep at the theatre once before <gasps> And it, yeah, and I, felt, I probably have as well. It was in the there. front row as well, oh, so no! I've been there. I You've have been, been there. there. You've been that person. I've done an early shift. I'd been up since three a.m. and I went. I stupidly went to the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory matinee. Right. Woke Fair up in right. the curtain call and I was being pointed at by members of the ensemble. So, yeah, I know. Oh no! I know. Oh, that's impressive. I felt terrible. Did you know anyone in the show? No, no, oh, thankfully. Goodness. But I'm so so <laughs> like, I feel I'm for the man snoring. Yeah. So it wasn't you, I promise. <laughs> It wasn't good. me either, just good. for the record. Good, good, good. good. We, we talked about how Sally unravels in that, yeah. that big number at the end. For a lot of the show, she is burying her head in the sand to the, the political situation, the, yep. the horrendousness that's going yep. on. How do you, in your head, try and not let that affect you when there are so many horrible things going on around you in the show when you're in there? Sally, I, th- I think she's cleverer than than she appears and I think she knows she just always puts up this wall and goes nope I'm fine I'm I I can deal with this I can laugh my way out of everything and she yeah she keeps sort of pushing things away and distracting herself and moving on to the next thing she's very flighty like that and I think that's her sort of 
defense mechanism to stop so things can't hurt her because she doesn't let anything actually get too close and it's the moment when she sings maybe this time is the first time you really see her guard come down a bit and she goes oh well maybe I do actually deserve happiness and yeah she's she's sort of a bit of a a clown really she's constantly putting on a performance um and trying whereas all all of this stuff is just bubbling under the surface and and yeah when you get to the end everything just comes to a head sort of thing but um yeah I think she knows she knows what's going on but she sort of pretends like it doesn't affect her it must be a hard show to do eight times a week. Do you mm. leave the theatre feeling like you've been hit by a bus? <laughs> a bit, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, it's quite uh, an emotional roller coaster, really. Um, and yeah, it go, she goes through so, so much sort of turmoil throughout it. But um, yeah, I, it's amazing. But yeah, you do feel quite exhausted by the end of it. But, you know, in a, in a good way. Absolutely. Let's talk about Scylla a little bit. <laughs> What stage were you at in your career when Scylla came up, when the open auditions were held? And did you hesitate before you went in? I had been in the industry for quite a long time. I left drama school in 2010, but I'd really struggled for a long time. I couldn't really get in the room for auditions. I couldn't get a decent agent. And I just had a really hard time and I nearly gave up lots of times. And and it's, it's, it's a tough old industry. And I'd done a few things and I'd had weird tangents in my career. I was on Britain's Got Talent and I was signed to a record label for a bit and I've done some <laughs> bizarre, I've gone, gone to in, in, a, in a bizarre route. But um, I was doing uh, Moulin Rouge for Secret Cinema when the Silla auditions came up and my agent said, I, I think you should go in for it. And part of me said, oh, I've got a show the night before. Do I really want to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and queue outside the Dominion? I'm very glad I did. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was one of those things where just it's the absolute perfect job at the perfect time. It just shows like sometimes you can work so hard and be going at it for so long and people don't really notice you, but then you're so right for something. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful that it came up because that really felt like a turning point in my career and and suddenly people go well where have you been this whole time I go here trying (laughs) but um but yeah I mean I'm in my in my 30s now I turned 32 last week and so anyone listening that's sort of in their early 20s going this is really hard I want to quit just keep going if you're passionate about it and you work hard then it doesn't mean that you're not good enough if you don't land something straight away it really doesn't um it's taken me a while but we're, we're doing okay. <laughs> so tell me about the audition at the Dominion. Was that mm-hmm. in the rehearsal space or on the stage? Uh, so my very first one was just in in a little room. I don't know if it was like a little meeting room or something, but they had, because there were so many people. So they had various um, sort of like music supervisors and casting people and blah, blah, blah. And so we went through and then it was sort of a, I guess a sort of X Factor style thing where you got a bit of paper to say if you were through to the next bit. Um, and then we went in, went back and, and auditioned again for the producers. And then I think I had about 10 rounds altogether. And then obviously went in to see Bill and stuff like that. And there were some televised bits for ITV. So it was, it was quite a long, long process. And we ended the auditions singing at the Cavern Club in Liverpool, where Scylla sort of first got discovered. So um, it was quite, quite amazing, really. When it feels it- like it's so long ago now. It was 2000. 17. I can't believe that's three years ago I already. Know. It's flown. I know, it really has. When it came to opening night at mm-hmm. the Liverpool Empire, mm-hmm. Scylla's home city, 
what did it feel like stepping out onto that stage at the top of the show? Really scary. And that show starts with with Scylla just in a spotlight doing a monologue to the audience. And I, yeah, I could just feel my heart beating through my chest that night. But it's, it's a night I'll never forget. I mean, obviously, yeah, quite clearly, I'm not from Liverpool. So I thought, God, how, how are people going to react? Are they, they going to accept a non-scouser playing their Scylla? But the reaction was just unbelievable. And when I got to the bit, it's the end of Act One, and I sang Anyone Who Had a Heart for the first time. And everybody stood up. Oh, and wow. I think my mouth must have just gone like, for ages and it just yeah it was it was amazing it was such a great feeling was the scouse accent something that you felt you had under your belt before Scylla came along or was that something you really had to work on kind of I've always I think I had a scouse accent but I didn't necessarily have a Scylla accent because hers was quite distinctive it was unique wasn't so it? That, yeah so I had to do a lot of listening um listening to recordings of her and stuff but I love doing accents anyway and I've always had quite a good ear for accents so it's yeah, it's, a, it's a real you pleasure YouTubing to old episodes of blind date yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and old interviews from the 60s and stuff and she yeah she had uh, quite a distinctive voice when it came to researching for Sally what mm-hmm. did you do um, not a lot really because I mean, a lot of people probably say this. You don't want to try and... Because it's a fictional character, you don't want to try and replicate other people's performances. Whereas obviously with Scylla, I would research specifically her her mannerisms and all of that. But with of with Sally, I sort of wanted to just uh, like find find my own way of of doing it and working working with the director and stuff. So um, yeah, I didn't do much research in, in that way. Just tried to make sure I was on, on top of what I was supposed to be saying and when. <laughs> There's a couple of months left for yep. you. What Do you have anything in the pipeline after this? Nope. So if anyone wants to employ me, <laughs> no, I don't. I have no idea what's next. I uh, suppose touring must take its toll and you probably look yeah. forward to a bit of a, a punctuate. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having a little bit of a break. I'm sure my husband would like to have me home for a little while. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what's next. We'll see. Well, thank you so much. I know that it's quite hard to do these interviews when you're talking a lot and then you have to go and sing Sally Bowles. (laughs) So I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I hope I've made some sense. You have. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now, here's my conversation with Charlie Haggerty. Charlie Haggerty, welcome to the Backstage With podcast. Great to be here. Thank you for sparing your late Friday afternoon as we sit here in the slightly dull lights of Wimbledon. How is Cabaret suiting you? This is the second time you've played this role. It is, it is. I did it the last go around, which was uh, the fall of 2017. And we're back. What made you revisit it? I love it. Every musical has good songs. They don't all have good books. And this is about the strongest you'll ever get. I like that even though it is very funny, it's real material. It's, it's good action material to get your, sink your teeth into. Is there an affinity with Cliff that drew you back into the show? Uh, yes. It's, it actually hits very, very close to home. And quite literally, he's from Harrisburg, which isn't that far from where I'm from. Uh, I love when people say, are you doing an accent? I said, nope, just talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I dare anyone to challenge me on it. It's a generational thing, but I feel like the role of Cliff, with only the, the luck of being born in a different time, very easily could have been me. Yeah. Do you think Cliff, to a certain extent, is more tortured internally than Sally? Uh, I think, I think Cliff is just more of an internalized person. He thinks about things, whereas Sally is much more of, um, a a person of action. Um, she doesn't give much consideration. She just does. The, when I was reading about the history of the show, 
because initially when I watched it on Tuesday, it's the second time I've seen it, but I haven't seen it for about eight years. Mm-hmm. I, because I was quite shocked at, at Cliff's trajectory. I couldn't remember all the... Did you see which, because there's so many versions of it. So I saw this production at the Savoy in 2012 okay. with Will Young and Michelle Ryan. Right. And I couldn't, I, I'd forgotten all the, the stuff about Cliff and how he goes from the, the men to back to Sally. Mm-hmm. And... I initially thought, oh gosh, that's very ahead of its time for 1966 when this was written. But then when I was reading earlier, that was added in in about 1993. Yeah. Still quite ahead of its time. The, um, the, the original stories that it's based on, uh, it's not so explicit in the stories, but if you knew what you were looking for, it, it's there. And in 66, I guess that would have been a little too progressive. Um, I think in 66, the, all the other subject matter was enough. Um, but I think it's one of those shows that it will always be relevant. Some aspect of the story will come out to be the relevant piece. But I think in 93, you know, you're still dealing with the AIDS crisis and things like that. And it, it became the necessary part of the story. That's what needed to be told. I think in today's world, I think the nationalism, the far right, all that sort of thing uh, is once again a very scary and real uh, possibility. It's quite, I, I found it actually watching Cliff's story on stage. You still don't see that even now in, in many other pieces of theatre. I mean, we, obviously we had, I don't know if you saw The Inheritance, but that was a very extreme version of what we see here. Yeah. But in terms of, of, a, of a man who has that sexual fluidity and you don't necessarily know how he identifies, we don't well, see I think, that. I think the idea of sexual identity is, uh, is a very modern thing. And in his time, you know, it was still illegal. There's the line where Sally says quite flippantly, did you and Bobby have an affair? And Cliff freaks out for a second because it, it was illegal. And it's never said in the story, but I've given myself the backstory that he left London probably because he got caught somewhere <laughs> and, uh, and doesn't want the scandal, doesn't want to get back to his family because it was shameful, illegal, whatever. And then he walks into Berlin where anything goes and, uh, and finds himself. I'm really glad you told me that because I was going to ask you what you'd sort of pieced together in your head. When he decides he's going to go back to America, it's not necessarily an instant decision, one that he's necessarily happy with straight away. There is a slight delay in him putting no, it there, into there's, um, the, there's the moment of, I can't stay here, um, but it does take a, a little while for him to go, this is the course of action that we're going to take. Yeah, and I think, that, again, that's just a very human process. I think we all go through that. Uh, what am I going to do? I don't know. I don't know. And then the light goes on. You go, this, is, this is the path of action. You've worked a lot in America, where you're from, mm-hmm. and in Europe, and in the UK. What brought you over here originally? He references to his wedding ring. <laughs> I see. I see. So how, when did you first come over here? I was back and forth for a few years. I, I think the first time I was over was 2012 uh, and then I went back to New York for work because all my connections at the time were in New York um, and, uh, and then I when the show that I was doing there finished and that was 2015 uh, I came back here permanently How did you find re-establishing connections over here having worked in America extensively and then had to find new agents, new people here? A lot of it was just hard graft but a lot of it is happy accidents um, my husband happened to be friends with the people who are now my agents. And it was just a very casual 
Charlie's coming over. Can you guys, you know, look after him while he's here? And then it turned out to be an excellent working relationship. So, so um, you stayed. So I stayed. Great. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about If Then? Yeah, because great. I was yeah. very excited to read that you were in that. Yeah. Um, Twenty fourteen, that opened on Broadway. At what point did you join that process? Uh, so there had been workshops, several ahead of the DC pre-Broadway tryout. I I joined uh, for the for DC, and many of the people in the cast had been doing the workshops, but it was essentially a new a new company. It was a fantastic roller coaster ride uh, just to watch. Because I was, I was a swing. There's only, there's only so much input a swing has. <laughs> uh, a lot of it is just sitting back and watching. And, and the changes came thick and fast. And, uh, and just trying to keep pace with all that was... Uh, yeah. But I loved it. It was fantastic. I never got to see it, sadly. But when you are in a company, in a, in a rehearsal room even, with people like Adina Menzel, Lashans, Jen Colella, Anthony Rapp, are you sitting there going, oh my God? A little bit. Uh... Lashans is one of the most approachable people you'll ever meet. Anthony and Dina, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was intimidated because they're only a couple years older than me. But I was finishing up university when they were doing Rent. And that was, you know, that was the show. Were was, you a Rent head? Not, no. No, I was not. No, I did have um, a couple classmates when, uh, when the Rent tour opened in D.C. and they were going, you know, two and three times a week. And I was like, hey, where do you get the money to do that? Right. <laughs> And B, I really like it, but I, I have other things to do too. And there are boundaries to sleeping outside of theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Jen Colella is a hoot. She's also just a talent phenomenon. I mean, it's just a wall of... I'm, I'm making gestures here that aren't going to read on... Uh, it's fine, we have a camera. Outside. Okay. I can, I can, gif, I can gif that. Okay. <laughs> Adina did the Tonys on her own, didn't she? But mm-hmm. what was the buzz like around that show when, in, when you were in the middle of it? Because this was her first big thing since, since Wicked, back on Broadway. Well, and it, it was also just, again, just dumb luck that Let It Go, her version hit the charts right, right when we were in tech and previews. And I'm, I'm sure the producers were... <laughs> <laughs> thrilled <laughs> I'm sure they were yeah. um, the, the team behind that show Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt mm-hmm. creative powerhouses yeah. and Michael Greif of course can't forget Michael Greif yeah. I know you, you say you're a swing so a lot of your work didn't start until the show was already up and running yes. yeah. so how directly involved with, with them were you when it came to um, what you were going to do actually quite a lot not necessarily not necessarily Tom and Brian but um, the first time I went on for James Snyder. Uh, that's that's the actor, not the not the role. I can't remember his character name either. Don't worry. Josh. The Josh. Character name is Josh. Michael. Mike, Mike was was great, but we had we had an awful lot of notes. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. But surely, yeah. I mean, do you like notes? Um, I have grown to. I ha- when I was a younger actor, notes were. I always saw them as someone saying, "That's bad. What you're doing is bad." And, uh, and that, that's just insecurity, I think. As you get older, you realize, oh, I, I really need these. And you need trusted eyes and ears to, to give you the feedback. And my, Michael is one of the best directors you'll ever want to work with. He's, he's bright. Um, his ideas are clear. So when you went on for Josh for the very first time, you're stepping out onto the stage. I forgot, oh, it was the Richard Rogers, right? Yeah, it was the Richard Rogers. How, how did that feel? Uh, Honestly, I don't remember very much because uh, the first time you go on, and it wasn't, it wasn't the first, I covered six uh, tracks on the show. 
it wasn't the first one that I was on for, but it, it is like being shot out of a cannon. And basically, when you get to the end, as long as no one's bleeding, it's, it's all fine. Everyone's survived. We have um, the other swings and I, because all this, the four swings, we all covered a principal or two, and then also covered all the ensemble. And uh, we had sort of a, a pegging order, a rule, list of rules for being a swing. Number one was don't hurt anyone else. Number two is don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Number three is say all the right words. Number four is stand in the right place. Number five is sing any harmony line. Number six is sing the correct harmony line. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Did you ever have any big swing mishaps where you were in the wrong place? I, I don't... You didn't break any of the rules? Nobody was bleeding. <laughs> right, right. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Last year, you were in All About Eve at the North yeah, Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan Van Hove is uh, a man who's talked about a lot at the moment because of much. his uh, yes. West Side Story yes. revival, which has just opened. That production was like nothing I have ever seen before with the video screens, and it was so cool being able to see the whole stage space when it went behind and yeah. how it lifted up. What was it like being in that? Cause well, it's a very different process. Normally, the, the rehearsal room, people are in casual clothes, and you're carrying your script and whatever. But because of the camera work and how specific that is, we were essentially, it was like being in tech and also on a film set from day one. And you had to adjust your performance, whether you were on camera being projected or if you were playing out to the room. And watching, you know, Jillian, Lily, and Monica work those transitions is... It was an absolute thrill to watch. Jillian, uh, if you, you saw the show, she has, especially right at the beginning of the show, she spends much of the time looking in her makeup mirror, and that's where the camera is. And we're seeing her face projected up on the screen. And just the slightest eyebrow raise, and the audience would go to, to pieces. If you turn that chair around and she was facing forward, you wouldn't see it. You that. wouldn't see it. But she's also a skilled enough stage actor that had that happened, she would have made it, you know, of course she would. She's brilliant. Everyone was brilliant in that, in that production. Monica Dolan won the Olivier. I just loved it. I mean, that was an intense show, wasn't it? There was no interval, was it? It was two and, two and a quarter hours or something? Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. It was long. Yeah. This show's more exhausting. I'll yeah, I can, imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. But for a play. Yeah. Um, there was an awful lot to think about because we were, everyone in the ensemble covered, again, cover one of the rules. That's how it's usually done, a lot of things like that. With Cliff, I mean, that is an ordeal and... You don't necessarily get the catharsis as, as Cliff at the end of the show. How, how do you feel when you leave this theater? Uh, it's funny because my partner and I were talking about this uh, just last week. The end of Act One, because for Cliff it ends on very much a high note, when I go in the, into the interval, I'm buzzing. <laughs> when we get to the end of the actual show, I'm exhausted. And then I have to go, oh, I, my friends are here. I, I better turn it back on again. But that's, that's hard. And the, especially the last 15 minutes of the show, it's very physical. Um, it's very emotionally draining. Uh, and to be able to deliver that all the time. There are times when I wish I was a lazier actor <laughs> <laughs> and could just phone it in, but it's not, it's not the kind of role or the kind of show that you could ever, ever get away with that. Uh, you're so exposed. I mean, in this show, you really are exposed. There's often, there's literally nothing on the stage with you, just your other actor and a black stage. That's it. You're on the road till mid to end of April. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this, do you think this will be the end of your journey with Cliff or can you see yourself coming back again and for another time? Who knows? <laughs> would, you, would you want to? 
Of course I would. Yeah. So you're not done with him yet? Um, we'll see what the what the future holds for the okay. show. I have no rumors. I wish I did. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't even asking that from a rumors point of view. I just, I just kind of meant, do you feel like you've got everything out of him that you wanted to? Ah, no, uh, because um, I'm always finding new things and having playing against Kara because Kara plays in the show, which is a joy, especially in a long running tour, which means I'm always finding new things. And sometimes I find something that I did a long time ago and I go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. But it's also material that, that can bear that. Um, it's just good material. It's just good material. Well, thank you very much for talking to me. I really right. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a great show. Thank you. You can see Cabaret on tour until the 25th of April. Between now and then, it's stopping in Canterbury, Sheffield, Cardiff, Stoke, Inverness, Liverpool, before finishing up in Milton Keynes. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast online, and you can find more interviews and performances on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Hold up. 